before the game kicks off, let's ramp it up with college football overtime. Here's, here's, here's Garrett Chapman and Abe Gordon. But Abe, I do want to move down to the SEC because we have a ton of great football happening, especially some down in Jacksonville. The world's largest outdoor cocktail party. I know they don't like it when they call it that, but I'm going to call it that anyway because that's a cool name and that's the name that belongs. Um, Georgia and Florida. The dogs are in a 24-game winning streak, the fourth longest in SEC history. They've also won 17 straight against SEC East opponents, which is also the fourth longest since divisions were created in 1992. Abe, the last person to beat Georgia in the SEC East was this Florida team in Jacksonville back in 2020. I got a lot of thoughts on this game. I know you have a lot of thoughts on this game. Let's start first with how do you replicate the absence of Brock Bowers? What are you doing if you're the Georgia Bulldogs? Well, and I think that's an interesting question because I don't think you focus <clears throat> on doing that. You don't have Brock Bowers, Oscar Delp or Lawson Lucky or or you don't they're not Brock Bowers. I, sure. I don't think you can lean on him to six catches and 120 yards and a touchdown like you did mm-hmm. against Auburn, whatever those actual numbers were. I'm probably close, but what you get my point. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you've won games. Those might have been his fourth quarter numbers. Well, honestly. I was talking <laughs> about it in the fourth quarter. That's right. And I just, I think you do shift the offense. Uh, Now, I don't know if it's formationally, if you have more slot receivers, which I know has Mm -hmm. been presented. If you go with a heavier run game, especially if Kendall Milton's healthy, uh, you get a Marius Mims back, stuff like that along the offensive line. Uh, I just don't think it looks the same. And and I actually think that might be a a breath of fresh air. I I do think that Ladd McConkey Mm -hmm. is a problem and uh, a problem in a good way for Georgia. Uh, I don't want to be confused that he's holding their offense back. Not, not what I think. Um, and I do wonder how, how much more uh, you see him play. And, and obviously mm-hmm. he'd been a slow to return from injury. I think they'd been very careful with him. They knew they had this off week coming. They knew they were going to need him even before the Bowers injury. Um, and I think they've been building to him having a large role and that's probably now increased. Um, but I actually go the other way on this Garrett. I think the offense you may not see as big of an impact as you think. I think it's up to the defense, though. I don't know how many times we're going to have to say it with the exception of the Kentucky game in which Georgia looked like national championship caliber squad. Why? Because their defense looked like one of the best teams uh, uh, units in the country. I think it's up to the defense to pick up that slack. I think it's up to the defense to not force Carson Beck to score 24 or 27 points. They may not be what they've been in previous years, but I know they're better than what they've shown with the exception of that UK game. I I, th- I need to see them get back to it. It's the defense I want to see pick up the slack. Not Carson Beck, not Ladd McConkey, not Delp or Lucky or Milton or Dejon Edwards. No one on the offense needs to pick up the slack. It's the defense in my mind. See, this is one of those situations where I think Carson Beck is really going to shine. He and Dejan Edwards are two guys who I'm looking at on the Georgia offense particularly. Um, Carson Beck, of course, has done a remarkable job. Uh, I mean, he has quietly been one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC this year. Uh, Brock Bowers, of course, like I mentioned, like we started this, this conversation on, and, like he's stolen the show because he's the best player in the SEC. Uh, you can make the argument that he's the best player in the country. But, of course, people uh, up in uh, Columbus, Ohio might disagree just because of the, the presence of 18, if 18, you will. baby. But 19 has also done a pretty good job in his own right. 41 receptions, 567 yards. He's been critical to the success of, of the Georgia offense, and especially in games where, you know, you need a spark and you need to get going. And 
this I don't I don't know if this is necessarily a game where they're going to need a spark to get going. It is a you're going to be fired up and ready to go. You're coming out of the bye week and you're entering the most important month of the season right now. Uh, they're coming into their most important stretch of the season. Of course, every, the next game is always the most important game in college football, and that's how it is in all football. But um, it's 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 Florida, then you've got Missouri, then you've got uh, Tennessee, and you've got uh, Ole Miss and Georgia Tech and everybody else down the road. So this is an important part of your season. So I don't think there's going to be any sleepwalking coming into this one. If Georgia comes out and doesn't look good, it's because Florida is putting them in that situation. And And really what I want to see from Florida in particular is I want to see if they can run the football because Georgia's good, very good. Like you said, like they're not necessarily what they were in 2021 or in 2022. Uh, they're, they're, they're 38th in FBS and yards allowed per carry. But Florida in particular, in the games that they win, they're averaging 181 yards rushing. I don't think you're going to get to that, but you need to. But what it tells me is you need to establish the run game because in the games that they lose, they're averaging 41 yards. That says to me that this is a Florida team that needs to run the ball. Graham Mertz, of course, is still in the show. He's done a great job. Uh, been one of the best transfer quarterbacks in the SEC this year, and especially one that a lot of people haven't been talked about. I mean, he's quietly one of the best quarterbacks in the country in terms of completion percentage. And I think if he's doing that and like averaging about six, seven yards per completion, which is what his season averages are. I don't think that's going to be necessarily enough, especially against the secondary that doesn't allow things over the top. But if he can get that number up to 10 or 11, that means he's picking up chunk plays. And if Florida can stay ahead of the sticks and get out of third down uh, situations where they're not admittedly very good, they're 113th in red zone efficiency. Georgia is the best in FBS in terms of a third down defense. So Florida, run the ball effectively, complete the passes that you need to, and don't get put into to third and long situations. And you're going to give yourself an opportunity in this football, football game because, look, Georgia's going to want to come out here and punch you in the mouth. Asian Edwards, they, they have it on film. You saw what they did against Kentucky. That is what Georgia, a blind man can see what you what you're going to want to do in this football game. You want to run the ball and you want to pound it down their throat. Doesn't help if you're, if that offense can't even reach the field. And I think it all comes down to what that offense does for Florida. Well, a couple of things here that you mentioned and, and look, it's aside. Let, let's skip the fact that Georgia's a better team sure. in this. Let, let's look at what each team does. And it's just a bad matchup on both sides of the ball. Like you mentioned, Florida needs to run the ball. I totally agree with you. But we also remember what Ray Davis faced against that Georgia defense after running rampant on, on Florida. And, and it goes the other way, too. Dejon Edwards, I agree mm -hmm. with you. Without Brock Bowers, do you lean heavier on this run game? Well, we remember Ray Davis running for 280 yards or whatever the number was, three touchdowns against Florida. So yeah. <clears throat> it's not a good matchup. You mentioned Georgia's secondary. The extra yards may not be there. Graham Mertz has been very good at taking care of the ball. I think he's got like 15 or 16 touchdowns, only two interceptions, something like that. You, you know, that's a big key to Florida's efficiency on offense, stuff yeah. like that. I just think it's a bad matchup for Florida. What Georgia does well on offense, what Georgia does well on defense, that, that counters what Florida's going to try and do on both yeah. sides of the ball. I, I think ultimately that becomes – a problem now the the great equalizer as we mentioned Graham Mertz has been very careful with the ball not as much for Carson Beck who's gotten a little bit looser with it since he's gotten a little bit more comfortable in that mm -hmm. Georgia offense I think he's got to dial that back down and, and limit those 
as well because uh, empty possessions, turnovers they give the uh, the opposing teammate, plus field position, stuff like that in this sort of game can get you. I will say this. Florida is good enough if they have a good day that they can win this game. Uh, This is not a situation where it's like, Georgia's facing Vanderbilt and there's no real path. There is it. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting they're pulling an upset, but there is a path to victory here. And I, and I think that's what makes this game so interesting to me. This is a lot more of on the right day. They can get you and um, we'll have to see how it plays out Saturday, but it's just one of a, 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 a few games in the SEC yeah. that really have my interest. Yeah, yeah, and and of course this is the uh, the 3:30 CBS special. Uh, last time that we're going to see this game on CBS, so take it in, enjoy it, and relish these opportunities because of course it's going to the Big Ten next year, and uh, I don't know many people who are super happy about that, and uh, I know that this guy is not in particular. But another game that I'm looking at in particular: South Carolina and Texas A&M. Can anybody help Spencer Rattler? Abe, I am so frustrated watching this team play. They. This kid is so talented. He is so talented. And he's just getting no help. They are allowing a pressure rate rate that is 121st in FBS. Now they're facing an aggressive front seven. That's gonna I was going to say, you think basket. it's going up or down against oh, A&M? Oh, boy. Texas A&M. And, and not to mention the fact that you have two head coaches who are receiving a little bit of outside noise. Shane Beamer, of course, breaks his foot after the Florida game two weeks ago, which is just the, the weirdest thing. Like I, I'm sorry, you're a... I love the passion. I do. It's just kind of who Shane Beamer is. And I appreciate that part of him. But at the same time, why are you breaking your foot? Because you're kicking something out of frustration. That's a little childish. You know, I will admit, but you can tell he's, he's kind of let the, the outside noise in a little bit and he's hearing the frustrations. Same can be said for Jimbo Fisher. So these are two coaches who really want to win this game. Well, uh, one, one quick comment on Spencer Rattler. I, I, I don't remember who I saw uh, post it, but someone said, that this guy is going to get taken in the NFL. People aren't going to realize how good he is, and he's going to be a star. And I tend to agree with you watching their game, you know, obviously as a Florida fan, what happened a week ago. And and you're right. He's got no help, and and he may be a much better quarterback than even we know uh, from what he does at at, at South Carolina. And and the other thing is, and and this is kind of like a mini bold prediction, um, Texas A&M loses this game. This is the last home game coached by Jimbo Fisher. Um, they're at Ole Miss after this. They're going to lose that game, and he's out. Uh, I, I really Ouch. believe – now, I'm not suggesting they are losing this game. If I had to pick it, I wouldn't go that way. But if South Carolina finds a way, and if Jimbo Fisher loses this game at home, this might be his last home game as head coach uh, of Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that, I think he's much closer to uh, being fired than Shane Beamer is, but – you know, we'll, we'll see how that goes. I will make a note. Um, Texas A&M is playing. The, the offense has been kind of struggling a little bit. The South Carolina defense is probably the worst in college football, or certainly the worst in power five. You can make an argument. They're 115th in yards allowed per play. Like we talk about USC and like, like any, any game you play, the USC defense is a get right game. You know, this is kind of one of those get right games in the SEC. So I'm very interested to see what he does there, but, Texas A&M also plays a lot better at home. They're 0-2 on the road. They're 3-1 and at home. Yeah, I'll see what they can do. I- I'll believe it when I see it when South Carolina goes on the road because South Carolina is another one of those teams that just finds an- another gear at home. And I think after last weekend's debilitating loss, the fourth uh, – just all of these – just they got smoked on Saturday by Missouri. 
The week before that, it's just the debilitating uh, multi like, double digit comeback win in the fourth quarter from Florida. Yeah, I think this city, the season's already been flipped on its head. Uh, there's you're just you're you're at this point just playing for pride, and I don't know if that's going to be enough at the end of the day when you're growing into 105,000 people screaming. Uh, but speaking of which, I want to I want to flip over to to Auburn. Not exactly 105,000, but sometimes it certainly feels like 105,000 at Jordan Harris Stadium, which is where Mississippi State is going to find itself on Saturday. Is Zach Garnett coaching for his job right now? Uh, Through the rest of the season, I can see that. I don't think this is a, if you lose on the road to Auburn, then then we're moving on situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, I, I, see, I have a tough time just because where that program is and what they've been through. I, I kind of wonder if the leash is a little bit longer than it would be at other schools. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I would lean towards no. Um, but, but it, it's, it's tough to tell. Uh, my takeaway from this game is just the Hugh freeze thing. Like you're coming in to build this program and kind of reestablish what has been a storied Auburn side. This is the sort of game that you have to win even in year one. Uh, and there's mm-hmm. just no excuses um and that look that doesn't mean he's coaching for his job either that's not what i'm suggesting but uh, this is a game that that i mean if you freeze is the right hire they win this game right like like it's it's pretty simple and, and i guess it doesn't mean like they couldn't go on to do great things but like th- this is a game he has to win at home against mississippi state uh a program that's really reeling you have to win this game as you're on the rise yeah and this is an auburn team that's still searching for its first conference win their own form conference play they're reeling right now having lost four games in a row granted to four really good teams one yeah. i think it's that you have uh they have a loss at texas at texas a&m you have lsu georgia and ole miss last week um not in that order of course but <laughs> we'll see but um I, I think auburn's this is a game that auburn should win i expect them to come out and get a win in this game and i want to see hugh freeze get his first one as the head coach of Auburn. Now, I want to move along to two other teams who I think are, are really playing for their lives right now, uh, playing for their seasons, if you will. Tennessee and Kentucky. Tennessee is it, or excuse me, Kentucky is a team that wants to run the football, right? Ray Davis is a guy who's one, probably one of the best running backs in the SEC. He's had one of the best seasons of anybody in the conference. But now you're running up against a Vols defense that also likes to play against the run. They're 13th nationally in yards per carry allowed. I think this is strength versus strength. I think you have two quarterbacks and Joe Milton and Devin Leary who are trying to get right and figure something out. Joe Milton admittedly played a pretty good game on the stat sheet, but I think with him at the helm, they are a little bit limited. And I think when you are, you also factor in Nico, the backup quarterback, the five-star kid who's sitting on the bench, who's the proverbial future of the Tennessee football program. At what point do we see him? So maybe we see a little bit of the pressure start to come to the front. Maybe he starts pressing. Maybe he starts making some mistakes because Kentucky is not the easiest place to play. I know it's not necessarily the most raucous or crazy place, and you probably won't find itself on any top five lists of the most dangerous places to play in the country or even in the conference. But it's not as easy as you would think. And it's 7 o'clock, and and, uh, Coach Stoops has already promised that his guys know how to drink some beer. So we'll see what they can do on the nightcap with, uh, with Tennessee. Yeah, it's two programs that are very disappointed right now. Uh, Kentucky brings in Devin Leary. Obviously, Will Levis heads to the NFL. They bring in Devin Leary, and he has not been 
what any of us thought he would be based on coming from the ACC and how good he looked yeah. there. It just, for whatever reason, it, it has not worked out there. And so they've been very disappointed. Ray Davis has won them a couple of games single-handedly, including that Florida game. Um, and then you look at Tennessee, as you mentioned, Joe Milton, they had high hopes that he would slide right in for Hendon Hooker. And, and that hasn't been quite the not same quite. either. And um, look, I'll, I'll be honest. This might be it for Joe Milton as well. I, I mean, if you're going to start Nico at any point in this season, they play UConn next. That, that's the only chance you have to kind of get him some work. So uh, Joe Milton should be playing like his career at Tennessee is on the line because it actually might be. Uh, I tend to think Tennessee is a better overall team, more well-rounded, and, and they can win this sort of road game. But um, look, they had a real tough time against the Florida Gators, and, and Tennessee's difficult. Uh, they're beatable, but they're difficult. So um, it, it's going to be a very interesting one. This might be the second best game in the SEC of the weekend, though. I, this is probably the one that's caught my eye the most yeah, outside of the cocktail party. No, certainly. This is a this is a, certainly a sneaky good game. Tennessee, like you mentioned, plays very poorly on the road. That's uh, both of their losses this season have come there, and I I really want to see how they respond after getting shut down like they did last week in the second half. I mean, of course you you're riding a twenty one to seven halftime lead, and then that just eviscerate. They just get evaporates. Not a, they got eviscerated in the second half, but the the lead itself evaporated, and Alabama goes on just a scoring frenzy and. They, they, for everything that they seemingly figured out in the first half, everything falls apart in the second half. And I, I want to see how they respond coming in early in this game. And I think that's really where we're going to see what Tennessee team we're going to see yeah. uh, in this whole contest is, is what are they in the very early goings of this game? And so if I'm Kentucky, I'm trying to get the ball first. I want the ball first and I'm trying to establish the run and I want to run down their throats. Because if I can do that and open up the drive, it's the same thing what happened what they did against Florida. Yeah, I say if you play like you did against Florida, if you play you're like that and you day. play like yeah. your hair's on fire and your season's on the line, which I think they will, and I think both teams will be doing that. Admittedly, I think Kentucky has a very good and, and shot we're coming off a game, game for Tennessee's defense where they gave up a boatload of yards to the Alabama run game. So yeah. it, you know there, there's some reasons to believe you can have success against that front. Yeah, and and this is also a situation where. Uh, I, I don't was it was Kentucky. Who did Kentucky play last week? Did they, did they are they coming off of a bye? I just want to go double check this just off the top of my no, yeah, they're coming off of a bye. Um, they had the, the game against Missouri, which was just a disaster. Um, uh, but I was looking at the EPA, like, I think I don't know who does this, Bill Conley, I think, does this. But if you look at the actual expected outcome of the game, they weren't as far as you would have expected. The scoreboard, the scoreboard didn't fully tell the whole story, if you will. You mean in that I Missouri think, game? Uh, yes. Yeah, that's because a lot of that's because of the turnovers. lead they jumped out to, though. And it's turnovers and it's weird yeah, they, things. I mean, that they were up in the game and, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And so weird things happen in games like that. And I want to see how Kentucky responds, but they've had the benefit of the bye week. And whenever you play a super physical game like you did against Alabama, yeah, good point. Speaking, you feel it the next week. A little hangover, sure. And you have a little bit of a hangover, especially with the way you played in that second half. So I think the pressure's on both of these teams. I want to see who steps up and a response in this one. The last one we're going to get to with the SEC before we move on, Vanderbilt and Ole Miss. Ole Miss showed me something good last week. I will say that, and I think I want to see this again this week. This is a – I mean, this is, they're going to traipse over Vanderbilt. I think they uh, they should just continue to roll on their way to a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, I, the, the only thing I'll have to say is they are gearing up for a matchup with Texas A&M, and, and this is – Vanderbilt's just simply not good enough for this to be a trap game, if we're being honest. 
Um, that would have been my concern, but it, it, it's a pretty decent opponent for you to work your way up and build some confidence yeah. heading into that A&M game. So uh, I, I'm with you mm-hmm. in, in regards to Ole Miss. I, I look for them to really um, ha- have a comfortable time, let's put it that way, uh, in this game before they they head to next week's game against uh, Texas A&M. Yeah, if we were, if we were going to talk about a trap game in particular, it was probably going to be last week against Auburn, uh, and they showed out in a big way. <clears throat> they controlled the game. They controlled the clock. They control the crowd, more important than anything. 